have reached the promised land. I don't know if that's the right way to start this. We have reached the end of the road. Good evening, everyone. It's another episode of Raising Bulls brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and Roughneck Scarves. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL Championship. Tonight, uh, it's over. This is the end of the season, folks. They lost to Indy on the road. It was a tough match, but pack it in. It's time to go home. Tonight, we're going to be breaking down that match. Uh, We have an interview with head coach John Wallenek talking about the season and uh, what to expect for next year. And then we're going to do some of our own predictions on the roster and players that might move up. If this team's going to be in USL Championship next season, are they going to be forced down by the league? There's some some whispers about that. And uh, we'll, we'll revise our USL playoff predictions from last week. Joining me tonight, I am proud to say, it is an OG Raising Bulls. I've got Bill Toomey. Hello, Bill. Hey, Joe. How you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'd be doing better if uh, at least one of our teams made it through in the playoffs in advance. <laughs> there is a certain catharsis to not having to talk about either team anymore for a little while, I would say. Yes. <laughs> and then you heard him giggle. I know you did. It's Anthony Merced. Hello, Anthony. Oh, I'm back again. It's the full OG crew. Back from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how are you? How are you doing? I mean, it has been one of, I mean, I've been watching New York soccer for a long time. This may be one of the worst 10 day stretches. <laughs> yeah, I can see ever that. <laughs> in, in New York soccer. Really? Like, I mean, this it, was, it was this just, was bad. It was six days, right? Sunday to Saturday. By that time, all the uh, God, yeah. New York teams were eliminated no. from their various playoffs. And all in completely different, horrible ways. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I'll say that's true. I think the team that probably put up the best fight is the team we're going to be talking about tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah, agreed. Yeah. <laughs> the other two oh, my God. Teams, oh, my God. Like, I mean, oh, man. I mean, I almost lost my voice yesterday talking about how bad Dumb and Tarrant managed that NYCFC game. <laughs> well, what does he care? He's leaving. He doesn't care. <laughs> yeah not anymore apparently what a way to oh, my end the season we can't even get into that it's too much to talk about um, let's let's focus on this team they go down to Indy they're underdogs just from the way that they ended the season but we know that they played Indy very uh, tight last time around we got a similar match I think the weather was a little bit of a factor for both teams because uh, it was windy and rainy there was a lot of um, uh, inability to hold possession and passing was kind of not existent. Uh, but overall, I thought uh, from what we had seen from the last couple of weeks, the defense was much improved with Buckmaster and Nealis back in the lineup. And they gave it their all, but the finishing just was not there. And, you know, as bright as the season was only two months ago, it ends with a very, very weak whimper. Anthony, talk us through this match. I mean, it went, unfortunately, as about as exa- almost exactly as I thought it would go. Um, you know, you're right that the defense did hold well. They did look better than they had in uh, towards the end of the season. The weather was atrocious. Um, it was a they, they the I think this was the first game that Indy had played in the USL 
in this stadium because this was the old stadium yes. that Indy used to use in the NASL. Um, and it's a bad surface. It was a bad surface back then. It is now made even worse by the fact that it was raining. So it's, it's an artificial turf. There were puddles all over the place. It, uh, uh, you know, you would see passes that would kind of like die in the middle of the field in a puddle. Um, so it wasn't pretty. Uh, I would think that Red Bull would have, should have had the advantage in it because of the fact that they were more used to playing outdoor games Indy has been playing in Lucas Oil Stadium, which is where the, the Colts play. And yes, it is still surface, but um, or artificial turf. But it's um, it's they they're not they were not used to playing in this kind of weather quite so often. Still, um, I, I I don't want to say that they were positives to take out of this because they feel like this team fell off a cliff so much that they really had a chance to to rebound here, and they didn't. They didn't really show um, the fight that you would have wanted to see. Not that they would have gone to the USL Championship final, USL Championship Championship, uh, <laughs> but the uh, yeah, I don't even know what to call it anymore. Um, but like I, I felt like they really kind of let themselves down in this sense. They were not able to push this to extra time. They were not able to get that goal um, and and really make it happen. I mean, that's just my opinion because I feel like they they really kind of let themselves down at the end of the year and did not rebound when they really had a chance to in this game. Yeah. And look, playoffs, I think just in general are all about making a play at the, the right moment. And that is all that separates either team. In this case, Indy, beautiful goal, beautiful goal, uh, header back across. I don't remember even who scored it, honestly. Uh, I think it was Carl. We met. No, it wasn't Carl. Yeah. We met. No, I thought it was, was it really? Yeah, it was. Well, that's so disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> ex Red Bull, Red Bull two player Carl we met scoring the yeah. goal. Oh Jesus! Stings I'm glad to see he recovered from that drop kick to the back. Yeah, right. Look, I, both of those <laughs> players are still in the league. Yeah, it was Carl we met. Carl we met. Where the hell did you find those finishing boots? Jesus, this is what I get for not <laughs> watching a game with the sound on. This is why I said this was the worst week in New York soccer. <laughs> yeah, that I mean that's pretty bad. I think Dax McCarty. Uh, is to blame for this loss, then I think we could put it all behind us because uh, the way he was treated, we met was treated in New York largely was the uh, product of Dax McCarty slapping him around uh, in a game. I want to say it was at Vancouver. I don't remember where it was. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. There was a game where he like pretty much gave him a good dressing (laughs) down. And here he is paying the Red Bulls back. Thanks a lot, Dax. Yeah. It was just rough. Bill, when we, when we look at what this team did well this year, I thought, Defense and offense improved, but they they really struggled to keep any clean sheets. But their offense was so reliable all season long, uh, and then towards the end of the year, it just it wasn't happening. And in this game in particular, it was so sloppy, and they missed so many chances. It was really, uh, I think, in line with what's happened over the last couple of weeks. But it just it's still jarring to see uh, how poorly this team finished up. Yeah, it, it was tough, especially since in the beginning of the year, like you said, everything was going really well. And then everything just started to, to kind of fall apart. You know, the offensive line up front was great for scoring so many goals. I mean, if you look back in the beginning of the season, the goal differential was amazing. And it was still uh, pretty awesome by the end of the season because of how many goals they had scored. But just to the defensive line just really kind of went out, I think, towards the end of the season. And they were in a downward spiral and never really able to recover from that. Well, look, I think they, they did recover for the most part, but I think you saw the, the issue with the back line was not having uh, 
a guy like Nellis in the lineup because he's far more in command of the air than either Jordan Scarlett or uh, Preston Kilwine. Uh, obviously, we'll talk more about both of those guys coming up. But um, when you look at all of the, the things that the team did offensively this year, I think it's just so frustrating to see them just kind of like blank out uh, on all of the chances because they had a number of good chances in this one. I think um, Bezicord has a, had a good shot, maybe should have crossed it. Um, Jared Stroud has the diving header. Uh, Tom Barlow had a couple of nice chances. It was just, it was very frustrating. Uh, but finishing sputtered, the season is over. Overall, if you wanted to look at the season as a whole and uh, say whether or not it was a successful year. Now, remember, the end result is not necessarily the priority here. We're talking about, oh boy, we're talking about player development <laughs> in terms of player development. And I, again, this, I don't want to make it super specific because we're going to go down the roster later. But in terms of player development, was this a success in your opinion, Anthony? No, because I don't think that anybody came out of this as a potential, as a, I don't want to say as a potential, there's still some potential for next year. I don't think anybody came out of this group that is somebody that will be an impact player next year. Um we, we have some people that can be very good bench players, um, people that can perhaps be decent in a small chunk of time. But if you're talking about did this team generate a starter in uh, for the, the first team in a position that's very, very heavily needed, I don't think that it did. I think we saw a lot of gaps and we saw a lot of guys that weren't quite ready yet that needed more time on the USL level. And we also saw that when those players were called up, there was not a, um, there, there was a, the, the well had run dry on players to replace them in the USL side. So we, we saw a team that um, has had issues from the academy level, from the scouting level, to be able to keep up what they were doing back in 2016. Yeah, the output definitely has changed. And I think some of that's going to be addressed just by having the new leadership around the academy uh, and keeping... Uh, th- th- there seemed to be some some amount of exodus of coaches and personnel uh, to, on the technical side from the academy for a little while there. That is now seemingly addressed. We did think that before with the hiring of uh, David Longwell. Um, some friction behind the scenes, I think made that uh, relationship untenable. We don't know what we're going to get out of uh, McCafferty in this new group, but uh, I think we'll start to see some growth within the academy and especially uh, with the um, territories sort of disappearing as have been rumored for a while. Uh, I, I'm willing to, to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I think you hit the nail on the head with they've kind of bled the the – a talent pipeline dry for the time being. And absolutely that had a big effect on the season. I will say that um, not having an impact player ready for MLS is not necessarily concerning to me. Um, having guys who can fill out uh, the, the 20, you know, the 23 down slots on the roster is important. I think they, they have a couple of guys who are capable of doing that, uh, but it certainly is not, churning out a guy who could potentially step up and be a starter a la Aaron Long 
or Tyler Adams well, in years past. It's concerning. It's concerning because they have not shown that they are like it, it's fine if you're going to go out and you're going to spend a little bit of cash on a bunch of different areas to bring those players in. Mm-hmm. Red Bull have have been notorious for only addressing one spot with money and then relying on the uh, the reserves to fill up the rest. We're coming up on a year where they need more than one spot filled mm-hmm. in. And they don't necessarily have that in the pipeline, and they don't have a history of pumping money into more than one spot at a time. So, for instance, Sasha Kleshin left. They brought in Kaku. That filled that gap, um, obviously, in a... Um, tenuous kind of way but it did he got the numbers he was able to do what they were what they needed to do however now they need a striker they need wing backs they need a defensive midfielder um they, they need a lot of different things now that you don't trust them to be able to go out and spend money on because they sold a player like tyler adams who was you know a lot of mls guys like to say once in a generation i don't know if we know that yet but he was a guy that could have provided a lot more years for this team to bridge that gap while they continue to develop people. And they got rid of him way sooner that left that gap very wide. That is not fair for anybody to fill. Yep. I I can agree with that. And I think, I think some of that is driven by the player, but it's up to the organization, especially if you're going to stay in house with the organization, It, it seems a little, um, uh, premature to have, have moved him along to a higher level so quickly when he is still so young. And obviously, you know, it's an unfortunate injury and he's still struggling with it, but obviously it has not worked out the best for him thus far, despite early returns. Bill, what, what, what would you say? Is this season a success? Uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to say because it's, you know, what are you going to say is a success and what are you going to use to measure that? It's kind of hard to say, but I mean, towards the end of the season, um, I'm going to lead more towards no, because we kind of saw things fall apart and there was never a turnaround. So I'm going to go with a no. Okay. I think both of these uh, answers are fair. And, uh, I'm going to be posing these questions to John Wallenek in our interview. So stick around and you'll be able to hear that. back we're wrapping up the season talking to the i uh, probably going to be i think the the most recurring guest on the show <laughs> in the history of the show and certainly up until this point it is his sixth time coming on it's the head coach of the new york red bulls to john wallenek john thank you for coming on yet again no problem i feel honored <laughs> i keep suckering you into it somehow yeah look i think uh, the question on everyone's mind really is all about the end of the season. It was a, a really weird transition from the end of the summer for the final two months. Just in your mind, what what transpired over that time? Yeah, I, say, I mean, it's really an interesting question, and uh, well, part of me is, you know, still asking that question and trying to figure out what I knew was going on. Uh, you know, what better chance of being able to correct it and um, just, um, yeah, I think we suffered from uh, maybe having too much success early and uh, 
you know, this team uh, is usually comprised of some young guys that need to gain experience. And, you know, if, if the games um, go uh, your way too often, uh, maybe you don't learn as much as you need to during the, the season. And then in the end, the rest is maybe a little unprepared for some hard times. Um, you know, and sometimes you just take um, different paths. It's not always easy uh, to figure out why and how. Um, but certainly we're going to look at it and, and make sure we do everything we can uh, to, to try and avoid that and, and uh, you know, do some autocorrect hopefully and, and figure out our best, best practices for, you know, making sure that we're in the end of the season, you know, when the games become really important. Um, that should be when we, we shine and, and uh, show, <clears throat> show our progress over the season. So certainly disappointing. Um, but in the end, you know, you still have to look back at the season and, and you know, take uh, proper account and realize that we played a lot of good games, um, got a lot of good results, uh, did a lot to help a bunch of guys get better, um, move Tom Barlow up, move Reese up. You know, there's, so there's still a lot to, to be proud of and uh you know in the end the last game you know obviously the last few games of the season weren't great in the end i thought we put a good performance out there and really didn't give away much but you know found ourselves uh a little wanting after uh you know a good team um was able to you know frustrate us for, for a good portion of 90 minutes yeah it, i would say it was a bit of a gut punch because overall i think the performance in the final match was much better than it had been over the the past couple of weeks. And certainly defensively, I think, you know, maybe Sean was a part of that, but just in general, it, everything looked a lot more organized. And I think the guys uh, looked a lot more committed than, than maybe they had in the past couple of weeks. And, you know, to, to lose on the goal the way they did, I, I think it had to be, you know, a little bit disappointing because things were better than they had been. Yeah, I was I was happy to to see us play better. That's for sure. So you know you have to uh, realize that, especially considering some of the conditions. Uh, you know, against a good team, good organizing that, that loves to, to keep things tight at home. Um, you know, on a smaller field, on a wet field, on a windy day. Um, you know, we were able to to stand with them in that sense, and uh, you know, obviously we would have hoped to create more and um, to be a bit more dangerous and. That certainly was disappointing, but um, you know, considering where where the season had gone, um, to put an effort out there like that was pretty good. And, and yeah, you got to give some credit to the fact that we had uh, Sean and Reese back, and I think that is a stability there, especially after uh, Rito getting hurt. So um, yeah, so you know, difficult to take. Like I said, gut punch, um, not easy, um, but. You know, you don't want to overreact to um, one game or, you know, obviously the, the end of the season is something to consider. But um, you certainly want to, don't want to overreact because we still ended up having a, a good season. Yeah, and I think, you know, and I, I maybe this comes up every single time we talk, and I apologize, but one of the big things that I think uh, is so important about the team is the development of the player over the result and obviously you know you mentioned guys like reese uh sean nealis moved up tom barlow moved up uh, but there are a lot of guys on the team that took steps forward in your you know 
your four years of doing this, or I guess five years, five years, four years, five, yeah. five years. Jeez. Uh, yeah. Where, where would you rate um, the success of this year and this group um, versus your last couple of seasons? Or, or have you not had enough time to kind of really process the whole season yet? Uh, I think I would prefer to have more time, but if you're asking me what I think right now, um, yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. It's a, it's tough to stick that in, you know, when you're <laughs> looking down the road of the years and trying to figure out where does it fit in between what and what. Um, you know, I, I'd say it's it's not our best year. It's not our worst year. Um, you know, how do you quantify uh, a tough year, but you end well and end up in the semifinals versus a year where you were pretty good over, you know, six months uh, and then uh, one or two months at the end you know, not so good. So, um, you know, it's it certainly compare the team that we had at times, you know, you always have to say at times because so much changes, but yeah, uh, generally speaking, the, the guys that we had through, you know, I, I think he was probably the second best team, you know, I think 16 still stands alone. Um, and maybe what adds to the, the disappointment this year, I'm not being able to, um, finish off in, in, in a great way uh, is that we had such talent, you know, guys like Sean Nails and, and his Buckmaster who came into the team, you know, as, as a certain player. And then, you know, I'd say they're different players by the end, really guys that um, we were able to move along in a good way. And, and those guys worked hard and improved themselves. And then, you know, some of the steps were taken by top, the second year guys like Tom Ball, Jared and, and Chris Lemma. You know, those guys, uh, you know, showed improvement in, in the second year. And um, so, you know, I, I think you got to, in that sense, um, rank it somewhere near the near the top. You know, is it second? I'm not sure, maybe. Um, but I think I would put it in that category. And And obviously from week to week, you know, you're always dealing with a little bit of adversity depending on who's going to be in the lineup. But it felt like this year, maybe that was amplified a bit because of all of these injury concerns or international absences with the first team. You really, it seemed to be putting up with a lot of, of depth issues. But in general, we're able to handle them pretty well. Yeah, that's the frustrating part, right? In the past, you know, um, we've always seemed to, to thrive when, when the changes are made and this year we had maybe a little bit more trouble with that. Um, like you said, it, like the timing of the season, I think certainly was a little bit different, and that might have added to the, the complication of, of rotating players. And like you said, the international call-ups um, slash uh, injuries and first-team call-ups. You know, it's not an easy thing to, you know, in the, in the last part of the season. You know, we didn't have Kyle, Reese, and Rito. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so to lose three right backs. <laughs> like what team can handle that now right, we yeah. have 40 players so we can figure it out but you know that's not easy um, you know uh, center back obviously having Sean obviously makes a difference for us and uh, although Preston I think um, showed improvement this year which was important um, you know he, he kind of hit a bump at the end of the year uh, and that certainly made things uh, a little tricky throw in, you know, a, a Jordan Scarlett suspension, and all of a sudden you have a Cammy kid left footed playing right center back in Birmingham. So, you know, I think that was part of it. And then, you know, I think also 
um, the timing of the first team playoffs kind of threw a little bit of a wrench in too, you know, because now they have to start to focus on their stuff and um, it makes it a little bit trickier um, for us. Uh, I think in the past uh, two or three years, uh, we had a bit more consistency as much as, ch- as much change as there was, I think there was more consistency towards the, towards the end. And we almost dealt with more changes towards the end, but maybe that um, certainly could play a role in, um, uh, you know, a, a bit of our inconsistency in play. Throw in, you know, we've been on the road a lot, obviously, the last few years, but throw in double two-week, two-game weeks on the road. That's, yeah. that's another part that was uh, difficult, you know, and some of that was just scheduling. Some of that was the, you know, I've never been a part of uh, having to play games over again due to um, weather. So, you know, to have to go back down to Birmingham and to go back down to, to, to Nashville, you know, all that stuff just kind of added up and, and made, it, made things difficult. And, you know, I try to express to the guys, you know, embrace the difficult because that's where the most games are made. Um, you know, if you can look past the results, maybe uh, we'll see some of those games in the future, hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, it was absolutely very weird to see both of those games have to get made up. And weird how both of those results kind of flip because, you know, you're on the front foot in Birmingham. uh, And then you have to to do it bad in the game, you come back. And, you know, like you said, there was a lot of adversity that you guys had to deal with at that point. And then sort of the opposite in Nashville felt like that game, you got out to a great start it started to slip away and the weather almost intervened in a uh, fortuitous way because you came back and you were able to get that win. It was a, it was a weird season. Yeah. It's, yeah. It certainly worked itself out that way. I'm certainly not trying to, you know, um, complain about, you know, losing points or gain points or anything like that. It's just, you know, intensified what was going to be a hard end of the year with virtues anyway. Yeah. And it just kind of added another layer to it that maybe it was, uh, you know, um, a bit more than we can uh, handle. Is there a specific lesson in year five that you've learned uh, this season as opposed to something that you've learned in the past? Um, it's certainly an interesting question. Um, you know, one is, is uh, as a coach, uh, I, I think I mentioned earlier, um, you know, you start a season in a way and, uh, you know, best laid plans, you know, kind of don't always work out. So in the past, um, you know, always felt like there was a, a work in progress throughout the year and building and building and building. And this year, um, you know, it seemed like everything kind of went up quickly and, you know, you felt really good. But I did kind of always know that the, the road games were going to be a challenge and, you know, that maybe our standing early to mid season was a bit inflated. Um, you know, especially once you push off the national Birmingham game, you know, now you got really backloaded road schedule. Uh, you got, you know, when you're relying on points from home games, you pretty much kick them all off. So, um, you know, that just left us in a tough place and, uh, I have to be maybe a little more sensitive to that and recognize that, um, you know, just make sure I know where we're going and taking the temperature all the time so that, you know, what we need at times, is it motivation or is it humility and trying to figure out getting that mix 
uh, correct is not always easy, but you know sometimes you just need to experience it first to to learn how to deal with it. Yeah, and I would imagine that that's going to depend on the group too, because certain guys will respond one way uh, to each of those sort of methodologies. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, there's, there's that's another thing that I'm learning uh, through this process is you know there's a group dynamic and you got to deal with that and how does the group respond? But there's also an individual dynamic. Each guy responds slightly different to what motivates them and how to challenge them. Are you going too hard? Are you, you know, and I, I certainly have to look at some of those things um, for sure. Um, I'm not sure I, I helped every guy um, uh, to hit their prime right at the end of the season. And certainly that's an important part, especially when you're, involved in a, a league in USL and MLS where, you know, the end of the season is amplified over the rest of the season. So we could do the playoffs. Um, so, and we learned that <laughs> the night or two ago with the uh, um, LAFC. So, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's part of the process. And then, you know, still, I try not to, try very hard not to, um, make decisions based on one year, you know, like development is not about the year. It's about, um, you know, where you can get a guy, uh, down the line, so to speak. So, um, what may have cost one or two players by challenging them, uh, aggressively, you know, maybe hurt their form now and maybe didn't add to the confidence of the group, but was a proper message sent that can pay dividends, you know, next year after. So, I don't know. <laughs> Not always smart enough to know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's true for whether that's a lot right of us. or wrong. But at least I'm—I know I'm thinking about it, and I know I'm challenging myself to um, run and improve it as much as I possibly can. Well, John, I have uh, really enjoyed this. I've subjected you to both versions of the lightning round, uh, so I'm not going to do that. I am going to ask <laughs> if you would be interested in predicting uh, who's going to be in the USL uh, championship in a couple of weeks. Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, I'm going to go, I, I, I'm a guy that likes to pick underdogs. Um, but I, I don't, I don't have a feel for any, so I'm, I'm going to go Nashville and Phoenix. Okay. Yeah. That, that's pretty much chalk. Uh, I think yeah. I don't know. I it's hard for me to pick against Bob Lilly, so I've I've been having struggles as well. <laughs> I know. Um, the, I just have recollections of Bethlehem there last year. Um, you know, maybe Bethlehem's lucky, but they they played well, and um, you know, but obviously Pittsburgh was fantastic down the down the stretch, and uh, and they play a style that's uh, pretty well fit for playoffs and. Uh, you know, obviously home field advantage, uh, but Nashville is very good down, down the stretch too. And you know, uh, I think the, the MLS thing might help them, um, you know, like, bring that team together and like you know, boost them a bit. I was saying the same thing about out. Sacramento. Is that maybe that'll give them a little bit of an extra lift in the playoffs? Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Uh, I probably could could have went there for my. Um, uh, underdog, but uh, Phoenix has been so good; it's tough. They get so many weapons, and they defend pretty well as well. So, but you can see that the 
you know, uh, there's certainly, it's certainly not a guarantee. Yeah. Um, but, uh, sometimes when you're the top and you have the scare early, I think that does help you like, loosen you up a little bit to know, you start to believe that, wow, this really is kind of destined to happen. So we'll see. Yep. It'll be interesting. I'll be watching. I told the guys, you got to watch the games. It's hard as it is, torture, but <laughs> yeah, you still um, gotta do it. it's important to submit yourself to to some hard uh, visuals to, you know, motivate yourself and to not let it happen again. <laughs> and the only other question I have for you, this is something I've asked everybody all year long. Uh, who is the worst dancer on your team? Worst dancer on a team? Wow. Um, that's an interesting question. We do, I'll be honest, I probably haven't seen many <laughs> of the guys dance. Uh, we do have a fine wheel. So when guys have to get fine, they have to spin it. And there is a 15 second uh, dance off <laughs> on there. So certain guys have had to do that. Uh, but to be honest, the guys that have, I've gotten that. I've been pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Do you want me to give yeah, you? I I handicapped this last time with um, uh, I think it was Ben Mines. Uh, I'll give you the the guys who are in the top three spot, spots, and you can pick one of them. Okay. Uh, Reese is in the lead, followed by Chris uh, Lemma yeah, and Kyle Zayats. At three, I think Reese is the guy. All right, that seals it. Reese Buckmaster is your worst dancer on Red Bulls 2. <laughs> I'm going to make him a trophy. Uh, <laughs> John, be excited. Thank you so much for coming on again. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a long time because we've got a long off season now, but I look forward to speaking to you next year. Guys, right, sounds good. Always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, it's an honor to be uh, such a uh, wanted guest. <laughs> the pleasure is all ours uh and thank you very much when we come back we're gonna sort of break down the rest of the season and talk a little bit of uh usl playoffs so stick around and we're back final segment of the final episode of the season we're gonna start Breaking down the roster, line by line, guys, line by line. You know, I started writing this out, and I, I should really go back and look at something while I uh, pretend that uh, this whole time I've just been focused on this conversation. So, I'm glad that you pretend like you care about what we have to say. Yeah. Okay. No, it was just on me. I'm a fool. Okay. When I was writing down names from the website, I missed somebody, and then I was like, wait a minute, that would be surprising. Did something get announced that I didn't know? And it just turned out that I'm bad at looking through a list and writing down names. So (laughs) (laughs) that one's on me. Let's start at the back. Goalkeepers. This is, I I think we'll keep it to, you know, like the tweet version of uh, will they be back or not. Evan Loro. Yes, absolutely. Bill, you agree? I agree. I think the only way that we don't see him with this team is if Luis Robles is no longer with the Red Bulls, uh, which is a possibility, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, new who? What do we think? Nope. Okay. 
Bill? I'm going to go with the no as well. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that they would move on from him so fast just because he's so young. And I haven't seen enough of the next guy to say whether or not um, they can do that. But they do have a lot of uh, goalkeeping uh, talent in the the pipeline. So maybe not. Um, Miguel Silva. We didn't see him play at all this season. He's 19 years old from Venezuela. I was about to say, who the hell is that? Yep. <laughs> he has he has the same um, he has the same agent as either Christian Caceres or Alan Giannis or um, Edgardo Rito. This story was told to me. I cannot remember which of those players uh, it was. So I'm just naming all of them. That, uh, that's part so of how got, he ended up here. So they all have a similar scam artist. <laughs> Those are all fairly talented <laughs> players. I think Alan Young. No, no. I mean, I mean, the, I mean the agent. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so, what do we think, Miguel Silva? Uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> look, I think he was in a bad spot because they wanted to look at Nuhu, and um, he got here first, so it was kind of like first come, first serve. I think he sticks around. We'll see. Uh, moving on to defenders, starting with Roy Boateng out most of the season, um, had surgery, came back at the end. We've gotten to see a little bit. He was drafted very high for the Red Bulls. I think that he's probably back for that reason. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's going to be some losses in other places that make uh, make some openings for him to play in. Okay. Bill? I agree with you guys, too. I do as well. Preston Kilwine. Yes. I think that he's got a lot more to show next year. Okay. Bill? Yeah. He'll be back. Yeah. I don't like him and Jordan Scarlett together because I don't, like I said before, I don't think either of them can command the air. But I think him next to a guy like uh, Nealis might be a good thing. Or Boateng. Uh, Well, that's okay. Because if you want to go to the next guy you just talked about. (laughs) Yep. That's exactly right. Janos Luba. Oh, that guy. That's not who I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. Uh, I Maybe. Uh, that's going to be kind of... Uh, th- that one's a big maybe. I, I can see it going either way. I, I look at him and I think he did a, a fine job offensively. Maybe push him back up into the midfield instead of uh, playing as a, a converted defender. But I think defensively, uh, he was too prone to mistakes when Buckmaster was there, he was in front of him. When John Tolkien, the Academy kid was there, he was in front of him. It just seems to me like defenders really not working out for him. Bill. I'm going to go with, uh, no on that one. All right. I think he might be back, but he'll be in the midfield. If he comes back, I don't think he'll come back as a defender. And if that's the only place they think that, uh, he has on this team, then he won't be back. Uh, Sean McSherry. Injured earlier in the season, uh, pitched in defensively at, towards the end. Very quick guy out of Freehold, New Jersey, and I think he went to Princeton. What do you think? I think so. I think that they're gonna. I think he's gonna be a um, wingback option for them potentially next year. Okay, Bill. Yeah, that's fair. I think we'll be around. I agree. Edgardo Rito. Meh. I can yes. see it going either way. I, th- I think he's absolutely going to be back. Uh, he is a guy who has generated interest around the league. Um, and I think everybody knows how uh, ruthless Red Bull is at this level. 
So I guess there could be a potential of him going, but um, as far as I know, the coaching staff is very high on him. There was a rumor earlier in the season that he was being called up to the first team. It never materialized, but I think they they think the world of him. Uh, Jordan Scarlett. No. This would be year number four if he comes back. No, I just I just don't look. I don't really care if I say this. Look, like it, no, it's just not working. He's he's not. I don't know if it's a system or if it's the talent. I don't know what it is, but the dude just doesn't have it. And maybe he'll prove me wrong at some point. I would love for that to happen, and I hope that he listens to this and gets motivated and makes it happen. But I just don't. I I see a guy who's either injury prone or has so many holes in his game that he he's a liability. Okay. Um, you, I would, you know, caution you. He does hail from the Bronx, Anthony. So just beware. Yeah, I grew up here. Talk, Good for him. You're, you're gonna talk bad. Yeah, but didn't him. he also not? You. But didn't he also not have like? Um, he didn't like pizza. Um, I don't know if that was him. <laughs> I think we did an interview, and I said, "What's your favorite pizza joint?" He wasn't quite sure. Um, I, I honestly, we do so many of these. I'm not sure, to be honest. And I'm just not. I'm just not like. If that's true, I'm. I got questions. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> all right, that's a weird way to look at it, Bill. What do you think? Also, as an All Hollows kid, I gotta say because I know he's. A, I think he's a Fordham Prep kid. Um, yeah, that's a rivalry that you know. Good luck there. Oof. I see how it is. Bill. Yeah, for me, it's kind of, it's hard to say. It's been four years. That's a long time. I'm not too sure. I know that this is another guy that I know that the coaching staff uh, was absolutely high on coming into the season. I'm not sure if they're happy with the way that it finished. I had mentioned previously on the show, there was some kind of friction uh, between him and Wallenek. We addressed it on the show and he said, really, it was about just demanding the best out of uh, each other. So we'll see if there was really anything to that. To me, Jordan is only as good as whoever you put next to him. If you have a guy like Nealis who can command the air, um, they can work very well together because I think his ground defense uh, or defensive game is fantastic. He really struggles marking guys and tracking runners when the ball's in the air. And so if you have somebody that can help kind of scoop up anything that's being crossed in, he looks great. And when you don't have a guy like that with him, he struggles and but then what does that mean for his mls career well exactly so if unless he's in the exact right position i i think it's it's difficult to see him continuing here especially in year four now i said this at the end of last season so we'll see if that happens um but yeah i i think that it would probably be the end of the line for scarlet just because it would be four years and that seems very unusual um alan Giannis. yes yeah he'll be back I don't think so. I think he fell off a cliff. Really? I think uh, I thought at the beginning of the year, absolutely. But he couldn't get on the field over Janos Loba. And I didn't think he was the most defensive wing back. So to me, I think that, that Giannis is, is on his way out. I think they're going to lose in other positions that are going to make him uh, give him an opportunity to stay with this team next year. Mm, good question. Good question. Don't know. Uh, because of these other guys that I'm about to bring up, actually. Yep. Reese Buckmaster. For USL, no, but he will be on the MLS roster. Okay. I still think we'll, we'll see him on the USL side more often than not if he's back. But I agree that he will be back. 
I think uh, Anthony's correct too. We'll see him more on MLS side rather than USL. Hey, who are you calling the moron? <laughs> uh, Joe. <laughs> oh, guilty. Uh, Shad Nealis. Same thing. I think he's going to be more the MLS side, um, either starter or bench, than uh, USL. Um, I, I have a strong belief that either Tim Parker or Aaron Long will be going to Europe or somewhere else. So I think that Sean Nealis is going to be very important to the MLS team next year. I uh, I agree with that. I'm not sure if he's going to be the important one uh, or if uh, Amro Tarek mm-hmm. uh, will be, but what, I, I do agree that he'll be with the team uh, the MLS team more often than not. And then two Academy kids to talk about. Uh, one, we don't have much information on really at all. And he was played sort of out of position. Uh, the other is sort of uh, the, the it boy heading out of this season, I think from the Academy in the way that we've seen other, other guys like Noah powder, I think was a guy who everybody was really high on after his uh, initial season with the team, John Tolkien. I trust the guy that's named after a writer from uh, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> that's it. That's all you got, <laughs> Bill. So he would he would have to sign with the team, with the first team, or with yeah. the or with RB two. He'll probably go to college, though. Like he probably definitely will go to college. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of torn on this one. All right. I think he will be back. I think he's going to end up as a homegrown player next season. We'll see. It is possible he goes to college. There's a bunch of guys uh, from RB2's earlier days that are still in college right now that I imagine are going to make a comeback in some way at some point. Guys like Kazu Shigenobu, one of my favorite names. Um, uh, who's the wingback? Why can't I think of his name? Oh, well, no. here's the question, because I can never understand the rules to this when it comes to homegrown players. If they go to college, um, the Red Bulls still have, or the team that whatever team it is that, that they they were in the academy for, they still have a right of signing, correct? Or I, when they I go to that that's still college, true, yes. they, yeah. So, so they can go to college and... Um, the Red Bulls have to wave on them for them to be able to go into the draft. Correct. Correct. Okay. Because uh, Omir Fernandez was at Wake Forest. They signed him as a homegrown player. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they, they're able to do that. Uh, Bryce LaBelle. He played as a center back. I think he's really more of a midfielder, uh, if uh, memory serves. I would obviously defer to Eric Friedlander on that one. Um, I would never defer to Eric Friedlander. Of course you wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what do you think though? Uh, not great in his showings, but again, I think he was kind of out of position. And to be honest, he was he was sort of filling in uh, the best that he could. And I I thought he he did well for those circumstances. Maybe a guy that fills out this team next year. Um, again, depends on whether or not he wants to go to college. Um, but I could definitely see him being part of this team next year. Your mom goes to college. <laughs> That was my catch. <laughs> what do you think, Bill? Your face eats a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I could definitely see him uh, being a part of Rebel too. All right, uh, I'm not. I'm not sure he's going to be back so soon, but not because of anything that he did. I think that he's probably more likely to end up in college for a little while. Um, he kicked John Wallach's mom. Oh man, jeez, that got dark. <laughs> 
Uh, Chris Lemma. You think that's dark. Chris Lemma, what do we think? Yes, I definitely think Chris Lemma's back next year. Lemma. I asked him to his face. It's Lemma. Wow, we've been oh, saying it wrong off. for all okay. this time. That's pretty. Did uh, you hear? Wait, was it was it you guys that said the whole thing on seeing red about how um, your instance Alex Mule? Oh, I um, said that. Yeah, yeah. That apparently <laughs> no one calls him Mule. Yeah, that is Mule. That well, so the the whole thing about it, the pronunciation of his name is true. That it should be Muil. And I believe his grandmother is the one who pushes for the correct pronunciation. But no one calls him that in the locker room. And like the people that knew him for a while, no one uh, calls him Muil. They all call him Mule. I still call him Mule. Yeah. But I. Yeah, you know, I, g- I gave up a Muil because he's not important enough to say that. Ooh, ouch. I'm not going to start taking swipes at Alex Wheel. I like Alex. I think he's a good player. Do you remember how many? Oh, by the way, at the start of the season, remember we were sitting at a game together okay. when Alex scored two goals. Uh-huh. And we were talking about like how many goals he was going to score for the year. And I think he ended the season with, what was it, four or five? I, did he and have that many? I don't even think he had that many. Okay. Um, but like, I remember telling you, like, I I don't think he is like that kind of a winger. And you were so happy when you scored two goals in a game because you were like, oh, look, it's going to happen. Well, yeah. So once, like, mm. <laughs> once I could shut anybody up about anything on a given day, I'm happy. I don't think that he's a goal scoring winger. Um, he ended the year with three goals. <laughs> He scored two. In oh, he yeah, ended with three goals. Three goals. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because I think, he, I think the discussion game. was was Etienne versus Mule. Yeah, I think because we've had this. Like, it's been like God. It feels like ten years if, we've if, talked look, about like the, Mule if versus. If the discussion was who was going to end the year with more goals for the team, it was Alex Mule by a country mile. Did how many did Etienne get? Like two, one, one goal, he one got assist. One. He also got like way less minutes. <laughs> yes, he had 466 minutes. Uh, Alex Wheel had almost a thousand more minutes. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Uh, and did not end the year as a starter. I think that's a noteworthy yeah. thing. But anyway, uh, we got way off track. <laughs> Chris yes, Lemma, uh, who's next? What happens when you get me back in the show? Yeah, yeah he's going to be back. Uh, Jared Stra, I agree that Chris Lemma might be back. Uh, but I think he is a possibility to move up to the first team if there's going to be a lot of reorganization there, uh, which we'll get to as we talk about some of the, uh, these other guys. Jared Stroud. If he Stroud's does not play most of the games next year, I'd be surprised. Okay. Bill? I think Stroud's a guy that uh, we might see on the first team. I agree with that as well. I think he's he's in contention for a uh, depth spot on the MLS roster, especially... Uh, with how much churn I expect to see up there. Kyle Zayetz. Mm, yeah, I can see him coming back. I think so as well. Bill? Yeah, I can see him coming back too. To me, he was the most defensively sound of the midfielders, and I think he took care of the ball the best of all those guys. Um, Kofi and Lemma, I th- they were still very good but they didn't have the same kind of uh, defensive sensibilities. So I, I like what Kyle brings to the team. Um, he had patience under pressure, yes. which I think is something that this team really, really needs. Like he was able to turn, put the ball in the right place as opposed to just smashing it in a direction. Yes. I agree. Um, Vincent Besicourt. No, he will not be back. Do you think he'll be with the Red Bulls? No, I think he will be on a completely different team. 
USL or MLS or out of the, league, th- the States? I think it'll be USL and I think it'll be USL independent team where he can get um, maybe a pay raise of some sort. I think that there's no room for him on this team at the moment for his skill set. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I think he's too good to be on uh, Red Bull too. Okay. I don't think he necessarily showed that at the end of this year, but. Um, well, yeah. I agree. No, nobody showed it at the end of no, the year. That's true. Um, Bill Bezicourt, did we say you? I think uh, we'll see him with Red Bull too, and not the first team. Oh, uh, I think if that's the case, he would move on. Honestly, um, Jean Christophe Kofi. Yep. He, he is an MLS he, rostered I, yeah. player, but he he was yes, down. yes. But I think he will he will have another year of uh, developing, which I think he needs in uh, in in the USL. Agree, Bill. Yeah, I think he'll be with Red Bull too. Okay. Didn't someone on uh, your on your site say uh, he was going to be Rookie of the Year? Yep, and I uh, in, in, never in let him live that down. <laughs> never let him live that down. JP John Berticaro. Called John Christopher. No, no, they was never going to make an appearance in MLS, but he said he was going to be rookie of the year and he started shaky for Red Bull too. So it was extra funny. I mean, he came on well, I think by the end of the year, but it was extra funny. He was like, I'm a rookie of the year. Not happening. Take that JP. I don't know if he's listening, but if he is, yeah, no, I I don't think so. (laughs) Uh, Marcus Epps. He is not on the site. He was loaned out. I don't expect him to be back. Nope. Yeah. No. I think he's going to look for a job elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I can see him on an independent USL team next year. Oh, he was he looked promising too. So he finished up with Memphis. I'm not sure how he did down there, honestly. Uh, but uh, I, I really like Epps. He was my. I don't want to disparage any players that I talked to this year, but I think of all of the players I talked to, his was my favorite interview this year. He had a really interesting story. Um. Ben Mines. Yes, he'll be back. I think that there's way too much upside in his skill set that uh, can still be developed. Okay. Bill? I'm going to say that uh, we're not going to see Mines around next year. I think that's a bold prediction, and I'm I'm really undecided, honestly, on uh, on Ben, because, you know, anytime he gets going, something seems to get in the way whether it's injury or, or some other thing and uh i i really like ben but i'm not sure they're going to be patient patient with him in which case i think he might be gone but we'll see we will see um omir fernandez no because he's going to be a starter in mls a starter in mls okay bold prediction i think he will i think that this team and this is more of an mls prediction but i think that this team may not necessarily be one that spends a lot of money next year. So Omir will be a, uh, a, a starter option for them. Okay. Bill. I think we'll see him with the first team, but I don't know if he's going to be a, a starter for the first team. Yeah. I don't know about a starter. I think he's obviously, he's going to be with the first team more, uh, than Red Bull too, but I think we'll get some ex- uh, experience down there. I think, uh, just in general, that there is going to be some amount of correction in terms of spending money. I don't think it's going to be uh, at like a, a an Atlanta United level, but I think that they even are though it go should out. be, it probably should be, um, but they are going to go out and spend some money. Um, but we'll see. Teams right. that spend money wins championships in MLS these days. That is true. 
in this year. And I, uh, I'll the give last, you last like, year. Five years. And Toronto FC. Yeah, all right. Toronto, Atlanta, Portland, Seattle. But a lot of that is on like two guys. It didn't Still, work in New York City. Yeah, take that. Yeah, yeah, it didn't. Although they were very, <laughs> they, they, they spent a lot less this year than they did in years past. True. Uh, David Villa is no longer mm-hmm. there. Um, Matias, we're going up to the front line now. Matias Jorensen. Yes. Um, I think that he showed something towards the a uh, little bit past the halfway mark where you can really see that he could develop into a really good striker. I just don't know what this organization wants to really do with him, mm-hmm. uh, whether he's an MLS player or whether he's a guy that they want to groom as a transfer target for people uh, around the world. So whatever it is, I think that he is still going to be with this team next year. The shame mm-hmm. for me, the shame for Matias is that I think he reads the game so much faster than anyone else on the roster because he makes so many runs and they just don't find him. And then because he's not involved as much, he tends to kind of withdraw a little bit. And then when that happens and he's not able to sort of post up, it it, it really takes him out of his game. So I think he would be better suited playing in MLS in terms of, of having guys who are a little bit um, faster in their reaction time. Uh, but is still not ready well, for that level. But that that's physically. a that that's a that's a coaching issue, and and the reason why I say that is um, not necessarily in the fact that coaching in his development, but if you have a player that is not necessarily a hold up kind of striker, then you've got to put him in a scenario where he is to his talent the best, mm-hmm. and if it's pretty much um, you need to feed him then that's what he is and you need to make that happen. If they didn't do that this year, that's not a knock on him. That's a knock yeah. on the fact that they did not put the right players in place to feed the monster essentially. Okay. And that's what a lot of strikers end up being. Okay. And I, and that's and that's what he is. He was very good on the first touch, very good when um when he was turning towards goal, but he's not he's not the guy that's going to come back into the midfield and make his own play happen. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I also don't think they need him to be that. I think you saw what they want out of Jorensen with Tom Barlow earlier in the season, but they just never got it going with Jorensen. And I think some of that is really physical limitations. I think Tom's a little bit burlier, a little bit stronger, yeah. uh, and a lot more comfortable uh, holding the ball up. And even though I don't think he does it uh, particularly well compared to a guy like you know, Bradley Wright Phillips or or Brian White, but in terms of where he stacks up in his holdup game to a guy like Jorensen, I think he's miles ahead. Tom Barlow, I but think. Will, yeah, okay. Jorensen may never get there, though. Like, that, like and what I mean by that is um, size wise. Right, like, that, right. that's something like your body grows into that. Jorensen may never grow into that, and he might be. Um, this is, I'm going to make this comparison just because it's the first guy that came to my head. Oh, boy. I, I think of a Chicharito, for instance. And, like, he's never going to hold up the ball like like a Balotelli, let's say, or, or a bigger, I'm thinking of people who are just bigger in size that where they can hold the ball up, lean up, or Josie Altador is a good example. We can get a post up on a guy. You're not, you're never going to see um, Jorgensen do that to great effect in MLS. So I don't think it's right to expect him to do that in USL, 
because he's not going to be posting up on defenders that are that small. So I, he, he needs the kind of person that's going to give him the right kind of balls at the right kind of time to be able to spring him to do what he does best, which is precise shooting, precise movement with the ball at his feet, as opposed to um, the physicality part of being able to push a shoulder here or there. If that's what they want him to do, he's not right for this team. If, it, if they can play, if they can put the right kind of guys on the field that can give him the right kind of service, then yes, he can get you the goals that are necessary. Okay. Uh, I think that's fair. Let's talk Tom Barlow. I don't know. I think he's going to be an MLS player next year. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, he'll definitely remain on the first team next year. Yep. Uh, that was easy. Omar So. Yeah, sure. He'll be a rebel too. I think that he's going to be starting for this team. I was really impressed with him yeah. the way that he came on late. Bill? I, I agree. Yeah. Um, Amarildo. Trick question. He confirmed his departure from the team today. We don't have to. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't he say he was leaving? Yeah. <laughs> I, look, I guess there's a possibility he's back, but I would very much doubt that. Uh, and last but not least, Sebastian Elney. He'll be back. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Depend. I guess it's going to depend on who sticks around. Because obviously that would be a pretty depleted side if Barlow isn't here, Amarilda is not here. Um, and then you have Jorensen, who's sort of an in-betweener. We don't really know what they're going to do with him yet. Uh, and that would leave Omar So as the one other forward. Well, here's also a very serious question that I just thought of right now. Okay. Um the uh, and th- th- this is a good one for especially this team because so many of the players rely on MLS contracts. Um, if there is a work stoppage with the CBA, mm-hmm. how does this affect Red Bull too? That's a good question. I do not know. There's there's enough players that are loaned down that I think. I, but are that, they allowed to play if they're loaned down? I like, think are, are, that, you, are you becoming a scab if you do that? I think in that case you're. Look, I, I, the money's all coming from the same coffer, right? But if you were loaned to yeah. another USL team, you would be part of their organization and part of their payroll. So I would think that that doesn't affect them, but I don't know. That's a really interesting question. Yeah. I like that. Okay. That was the entire roster. I think we've got a Woo-hoo. good idea on uh, some players that will or will not be around. I didn't bring up guys. You didn't ask like, if Zlatan uh, was going to get signed. Oh, man. They could. They could sign Zlatan. <laughs> and then USL would be important. Yeah, because um, MLS isn't going to be unless he comes back, obviously. That's right. That's right. And uh, I boy, did I take a bath with my Zlatan prediction when he first arrived. <laughs> yes, you did. Holy mackerel. <laughs> oh, well, he wins How many goals did you say, by the way? I said under 10, but in the first season. And he like <laughs> he dwarfed that that year. And then obviously was in contention for Golden Boot this year. Okay. We're going to finish up with two more segments players most likely to move up i'm only going to have you uh name one i think we kind of covered this a little bit in the last one but if you had to just pick one player that's going to move up to the first team next year who is it anthony um is this does this count people that have not made mls appearances yet or guys that would have to be going there for the first time um i'm gonna say evan loro solid pick um and Mm. Oh, ben Mines no, not, not a second player, just one. Oh, okay, just one. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Evan Laura. <laughs> Bill. 
Uh, Jared Stroud. Okay, Chris Lemma. That was easy. That was all three of the guys that I wrote down. <laughs> like, all right, if they say this person, I'll say this one. If they say so, that was perfect. Uh, and I think all those guys uh, would be in contention for sort of bench spots. I don't think any of them would be penciled in starters. And Loro, I'm going to say, is again heavily related to whether or not Luis Robles is back with the team next year. Or Ryan Mara, for that matter. Yeah, I think Mara is far more likely than Robles at this point. That's just me, though. Uh, all right. And speaking of taking a bath on predictions, I don't. <laughs> I don't think I necessarily um, whiffed too many times. I didn't expect Birmingham to beat North Carolina. That's for sure. And I picked Charleston to win their to or their play-in match. But I think everything Which else was kind of... No, they did. They won their play-in. They, well, lost, they, did. they lost to Nashville. Gotcha. Okay. That part was expected. I expected... By the way, those play-in matches are stupid. Yeah, it's that's just a bracket. I'm not sure why they're not part of a bracket. It's like eight, eight, eight matches. Eight, eight teams. Like, don't make this ten teams enough to do the nine and ten thing. It's just... It's stupid. Look, but in uh, in the East, both of the underdogs prevailed. Good for them. <laughs> the Birmingham match, especially last minute goal, absolutely gorgeous from outside the box. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. But how that, that, that hold up? For immediately got <laughs> destroyed by Bob Lilly, whose teams seven do not zero. score very many goals. They won seven nothing over Birmingham. That was just unreal. they got red weddinged. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, okay, but uh, Phoenix squeaked by Austin Bold in penalties. Yeesh. Uh, SLC, comfortable victory, 6-2. Uh, congrats to Jaimeson Alave, their coach over there. Um, obviously, former Red Bull defender. And uh, Salt Lake. I'm not going to get into his whole career. Yeah, I was about to say, he was a Salt Lake defender forever. Fresno lost and uh, were so humiliated that they are bowing out of league play. It's very sad. I feel really bad for any of the fans. Unofficially, of we'll find out the official word soon. Yeah, but it seems like they're gone forever. Yeah. Uh, El Paso, moving on. Sac Republic, moving on. Reno, take that. I picked Reno to win that match. I'm sure of it, but they did not. They should have. Uh, and Louisville beat Tampa Bay. I initially picked Louisville to, to go to the championship and win. We'll see how that works out, but I'm going to revise. I'm going to give everybody a chance to revise their predictions now. Bill, let's start with you. Phoenix, Salt Lake. Who you got? Uh, Phoenix. Wow, still going Phoenix. All right. Still going Phoenix. Anthony. Phoenix. I'm picking Salt Lake, baby. Of course you are. I really think that Phoenix will win, but I'm, I have to do that now. Um, Locomotive and Sac Republic. Uh, Sac Republic. I'm going locomotive. I'm buying in on this. Uh, they don't have the talent, but I think they can push through. That would be fun. I want to see El, uh, El Paso move on. I think Sac Republic's going to do it, though. Um, Bob Lilly and Pittsburgh, Louisville City. Team Lil all the way. Yeah, Pittsburgh all the way. Yeah, I got to go with you there. I picked Louisville initially, but Bob Lilly, he's magic. He makes magic. Uh, Indy 11 and Nashville. Nashville obviously would host this match. Nashville. This is tough. I'm 
Yeah, I'll agree. I'll say Nashville, but I I wouldn't be surprised if Indy won this. Nashville finished the season better and obviously had a better first round. I'm going to pick Nashville as well. But they uh, don't have Carl we met. That's true. That's true. Um, did you know that I ran into him once? Once? Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're good friends now. Well, maybe I wouldn't say that. We met once. <laughs> I mean, I met up with him in Canada. Does that mean more? No, I was only teasing. See, we met. <laughs> I got it. Oh, uh, you suck. Speaking of dad jokes, <laughs> I made a fantastic one, and I have to share it with you. Uh, oh, God. My wife and I were invited to a christening, and she asked me, what do you get a baby for a christening? And I said, a towel. You're the worst. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes, exactly. Joe's going to start up a new podcast on dad jokes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh God! Yeah, I don't have enough podcasts. Um. Okay, Phoenix Rising, El Paso. Who's going to win that one? Phoenix. Phoenix. I pick Sac Republic. <laughs> Sac Republic is going to defeat the Monarchs and go to the final. Um, Do you really think Sac Republic? Is- they haven't gone to the final since be- since it was called just USL. They're running on uh, MLS. Um. Uh, they're running on an MLS high right now, and I think they're going to do it. Good Lord. Pittsburgh or Nashville? Pittsburgh. That's going to be oh, yeah. the Pittsburgh. most defensive game anyone has ever seen in any league ever. Yeah, it's going to be like uh, Jose Mourinho versus Jose Mourinho. I was I was going to say Van Hall, but yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Pittsburgh in the final versus Phoenix rising. And Phoenix wins the whole thing. No, get out of town. Bob Lilly's not losing to Phoenix. Carvana never, forever. Never in a million years. Bob Lilly beats Phoenix in that scenario. I agree. I think uh, Pittsburgh's going through all the way. Bet against Lilly at your own risk. That's what I say. He doesn't win a final unless it's against an MLS 2 side. <laughs> okay, fair. Uh, that that does it for us. That does it for us for the season and for this episode. If you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at underscore Joe Goldstein. I'm at I am TJ. At, yeah, and I am at uh, what the hell is my You're Twitter about to handle? Say attitude NYC Sports World. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to hear at attitude AJM. Uh, yeah, I never I never even check it anymore. Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> the once mighty. I checked the, I checked the DMs. That's about it. Oh, okay. Uh, and if you want to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull Cast, and that's on Twitter. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Raising Bulls. You can go to RaisingBulls.com, where we post all of our episodes. You can even ask us questions there if you send them to questions at RaisingBulls.com. That's questions at RaisingBulls.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Find us, rate us, review us. It helps with the algorithm, children. Pushes us up the charts. The uh, completely empty chart of New York Red Bulls 2 podcasts. It's only us. But if you look at soccer, we're way down there. You could probably not find us if you search for hours. But if you start rating us and reviewing us, eh, maybe we can talk. We're definitely not close to Men in Blazers. No. That's true. We're like we're like number three, but in the way that um, uh, Seattle was number two to LAFC in the West. I'm convinced I can get like Roger Bennett on our show to talk USL. 
That would be amazing. Let's let's make it happen. That'll be for next year. Season opener, Roger Bennett's going to be on the show. You heard But it I'm not first. bald, so I can't like, you know, relate to him. Okay, fair. Uh, we're part of the beautiful game network at bgn.fm. They're covering MLS, USL, Premier League, NWSL, and uh, so much more. They are uh, full of podcasts and written content. They're doing great work over there. Uh, the USL side, you should listen to the USL show down the playoff stretch. Uh, Backyard footy, the last line. I'm going to do the whole list this time. I've been only doing some of the list. I'm going through it all. Uh, Bethlehem Blast Furnace, Birmingham Backline, Backchat, Seriously Loco, Foxtrot Pod, Sock Takes, The Other Football Podcast, 901 Soccer Pod, Speedway Soccer, The Curse Cast, Six Point Weekend, Off Pitch Podcast, I don't know what's happening to my voice, Orange and Black Soccer Cast, Rising is One, Mongols, Play the Kids, 1868 Weekly, Down in the Valley, Old Glory Red Report, St. Louis Soccer Report, Texas Soccer Radio, The Unused Substitute, and Tornado Alley. And there's probably more. I made this list at the beginning of the year. They're constantly adding new podcasts and new content. Go and check them out. That's the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm. Last but not least, I want to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. I I opened the wrong spreadsheet here. I was going to take an opportunity to thank all of the guests that were on this season. This is an extensive list. <laughs> it's going to take me a minute. Uh, Thad Bell, John Wolinek, Kyle Zayetz, Ben Gusern, Liam Pettit, Reese Buckmaster, Brian Cook, Janusz Loba, Sebastian Elney, Andrew Tanari, Marcus Epps, Preston Kilwine, Rashid Nuhu, Liz Brokaw, Evan Villela, Chris, John Christoph Kofi, Chris Lemma, Roy Boateng, Matthias Jorensen, Omar So, Jordan Scarlett, Sean McSherry, Evan Loro, Jared Stroud, and Ben Mines. Thank you all so much for everything that you did for the show this year. Thank you for coming on. I didn't even mention Glenn Stevens. I miss Glenn Stevens. Sorry about that. Glenn. Buddha. Sorry about that, Glenn. Thanks, guys, so much for coming on. Thank you for making this year and all of our episodes special. And uh, we're excited to be back for next season. So uh, hope to see you then. For myself, for Bill Toomey, and for Anthony Merced, thank you very much, and have a great night. <laughs>